I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Those are verses 23 to 28 of Psalm 73, which is the psalm appointed for today, Friday, July the 29th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. We're continuing our look at the book of Judges today in the fifth chapter, the first 18 verses, which are written in the aftermath of the defeat of Sisera and the the conqueror of the, the king of Canaan. Uh, and then also we'll be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 1 to 10, and in the book of the Acts, chapter 2, 1 to 21. So we've got a lot of verses to cover today. But the first lesson, this judge's lesson, it, it's, it's a lot of verses, but what it is is the Song of Deborah. It's sort of like the song that Moses uh, composes, the first worship song we know, um, after they cross the Red Sea and see um, the army of Pharaoh destroyed. And so now, in celebration of a similar kind of a victory, Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sing on this day, the day of this defeat, uh, um, this victory, sorry, <clears throat> quote, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. So the fact that leaders led and people followed Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. To the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. So it's referring to the Exodus and it's referring specifically to Mount Sinai when the mountain indeed quaked. It trembled. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. Um, In other words, it was dangerous. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. In other words, things had fallen apart, essentially, as the societal bonds were, were weak and, and that, that the, the nation had fallen apart. There was crime. There was all this other stuff going on until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. So again, she's, she's thankful for those who rose up with her in order for this victory to be achieved. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys and who sit on rich carpets. These are wealthy people. And you who walk by the way to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. The the musicians at the watering places. Now, what is that? Well, it's, it's a place where people gather. And so where they gather, then they also worship. They recount the work of God. They tell the stories of God. And so there would be musicians in some of these places to give voice to these things. Then down to the gates, march to the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake. 
Awake, break out in a song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. They Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley, following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. Benjamin is the tribe. From Machir, marched down the commanders. And from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff, the princes of Issachar, came with Deborah and Issachar, faithful to Barak, into the valley. They rushed at his heels. It it sounds so modern in so many ways um, to hear this recited. And so what she's naming here are different tribes in Israel, Benjamin, Issachar, Zebulun. All those are tribes of Israel. And so she's mentioning all these who have come to fight this battle among the clans of Reuben, there were searchings of heart. Why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there was great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan and Dan. Why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landings. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. So at some level here, what she's saying is, is that some of these tribes, like Reuben, Gilead, Dan, Asher, they all stayed where they were. They didn't come and help in this conquest. They're eating off the fat of the land. They've already got their portion, and they're satisfied in that, and so they're not willing to help their brothers. So in the midst of this song of glorious triumph, you can also see problems, there are problems here, and those problems relate to these other tribes who have, who have now gotten fat and happy where they are and didn't bother coming to help their brothers with the conquest of the land. And, and it was always going to be a temptation, right, once you got your part, not to help the others. And so it's, it's, you can see it in Deborah's song that she's, she's not completely uh, rejoicing over this because there was some failure involved in it. Failure by these tribes of Reuben, Gilead, Dan, and Asher to come to the support and the aid of their brothers in arms. In the gospel today, we get, now after the Sabbath, toward the end of the first day of the week, so the Passover is going to be one day, the Sabbath's going to be the next day, and now um, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So we know that this is early in the day, toward dawn of the first day of the week, because that's as early as they can go, because the Sabbath doesn't end until daybreak. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Now that sounds an awful lot like the transfiguration. It, it sounds like the, that same language that you see for Jesus and his appearance at that time. And so you get this angel coming, and this is the second great earthquake Matthew has told us about. The first one was at the time of the crucifixion, at the time of Jesus' death, actually. And now here we get it again, at his resurrection. And so the angel came, it says, and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And so that was the, the cause of this earthquake. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, so that you've got these guards there who see this extraordinary sight and, and experience this amazing um, coming to earth of this angel and, and the rolling back of the stone, and, and they fall down as though dead, and yet 
the angel says to the women who didn't fall down as though dead, (laughs) do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. I know what you're looking for. I know exactly why you're here. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but I'm telling you, he's not here because he's risen just like he said he would. Come, see the place where he lay. Come look, see that he's not there. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. I have told you. So the the angel says, now come look, see that his body's not here. And now go give the explanation for what happened. And the explanation is he's risen. You know, and you get that from an angel, and your first thought is, well, of course I'm going to believe it if it comes from an angel. However, we have a little bit of experience with the opposite of that, right? We have it in Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, who, who meets an archangel in the temple, in the holy place, who tells him he's going to have a child, and he says, well, how can such things be? You know, we're too old for that. It's not possible. So he doubted the word of the archangel. So here it would have been possible, certainly, to, to imagine that these two women would have looked and said, well, we ain't seen any evidence of that. All we see is, is that the body's not here. So we don't know what happened. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. I mean, you love that mixture that these two women felt, and they would have certainly felt fear for they saw the angel, they spoke with the angel, they saw him roll back the stone, all those things happened. So there, there certainly would be fear and trepidation in your heart, but also with great joy at what they had heard. And they ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. So their obedience... Their faith, their trust, their walking out in faith to do exactly what the angel told them precipitated a meeting with Jesus. So if they had just said, no, we're not going to do that, and they had gone somewhere else, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have had this encounter. But because they were running to tell the disciples in accordance with what they had been commanded to do, because they did what they were told, they have an encounter with the risen Christ. They're the first people to witness that. And it's a powerful statement that Jesus makes about these women, that they're the first ones there because they loved him so much and they wanted to prepare his body with the spices. And now that they've been obedient to the heavenly vision that they've been given, in spite of the fact they don't have any evidence for that, but they have the word of an angel. And so because they take him at his word and they go do exactly what they're told to do, running to tell the disciples, they're blessed with an encounter with the risen Christ. It's, it's obedience and faith when we walk in obedience and we walk in faith, the, the possibilities that we're going to see him increase exponentially all the time. It's absolutely true um, that, that that's where we're going to see him. And it may not be in the moment that we choose. It may not be exactly the way we choose. But I promise that if you walk in obedience to him, then he will reveal himself to you. The best way to have an encounter with the risen Christ is to walk in faith and walk in obedience. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Which is exactly what they had been told before by, by the angel. So Jesus is going to meet them where he met them. So that's where they need to go. They need to go to Galilee. They need to be obedient to that. If you're obedient to that and you go there in faith, then you'll see me there. 
it, it's it, it's the same invitation always, and it's the same thing with Barak and and Deborah, that that going in obedience to the heavenly vision is exactly what put them in a, in a place where they could see the power and the victory of the Lord. So my, my advice to you is, is if God tells you to do something, even if it doesn't make any sense to you, go do it. Go do it. If you want to see him, go to the places he tells you to go and do the things he tells you to do. In the um, here, they were told in, in Acts, remember, they, they had been told, the disciples had by Jesus before the ascension, to remain in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. Now, he had to tell them that because they would have probably just gone back to Galilee. We see them doing that. They're told to go to Galilee. It's home. It's where everything they know is. It's their comfort place. So Jesus has to tell them to remain in Jerusalem. So what we get now is when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I'm not going to spend any time opining about what happens here. Is it a miracle of hearing? Is it a miracle of speaking? What is it? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But what we do know is is maybe it's both. Maybe they're speaking in tongues, that being glossolalia, some other language, but the people similarly have a miracle occurring with them where they hear that as though it were being spoken in their own languages. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't know. (laughs) That's the honest truth. But so they, they see, they hear the mighty rushing wind, and then they see the divided tongues of fire, and then they get this other thing about tongues. So now they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. It's Pentecost. It's 50 days after Passover. It's Shavuot is the the Jewish name of the holiday. So it's 50 days. Pentecost is just 50 days. So it's 50 days after Passover. It is a harvest feast that I mentioned yesterday has been added to as the day on which the law had been given at Sinai. And so here what we're going to get is understanding of the law, the Holy Spirit that's necessary to be poured out on all flesh so that we will all teach one another. So here what we get is an understanding of the law, the law being written on the hearts of the faithful through the power of the Holy Spirit. So at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So what they're saying is that this is absolutely impossible. What's happening here is a miracle. And the miracle is that that we are from all over the earth. Many of these people wouldn't have spoken Hebrew. They would have had very little Hebrew. But the the what's happening is that we're from everywhere. These guys are just Galileans. So how in the world, there's no way these guys could know all the languages necessary to communicate these truths to all of us, and yet we're all hearing it, and we're all receiving it. 
And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, asking the most important question, what does this mean? That's the most important question we could always ask. What does this mean? We always want to get to the meaning of something. Because that, that's where you find the important part. And I've said this before, that one of the, the, the things about quantum physics, for instance, the best quantum physicists of yesterday are philosophers today because they said this has a meaning. What's the meaning of that? And that's the point of their philosophical insight is to say, what does this mean? What does it mean that, that these odd things happen at a quantum level? You know, the, the two particles that have ever been uh, connected with one another, you can fire them down a tube. This has been done at the Hadron Collider. You can fire those particles in opposite directions and spin one of them. And you can fire them at high speeds. They both will move at exactly the same speed in the opposite directions. And the one that's turning counterclockwise, the other one will turn clockwise. And that's called quantum entanglement. There's something in the memory of those particles that has to balance the universe at some level. And so they, they remain entangled with one another and still connected to one another at a weird level. And so quantum physicists began to ask the question, what in the world does that mean that that's true? And, and, and that turned them into philosophers because they knew about the, enough about the science to say it doesn't make any sense. There's got to be a reason that that's true. And then others, mocking, said they're just filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. So it, it's, it is an amazing thing, and it gathers the people together. And you could look at that list and, and say that's similar to the list of the table of nations from Babel in Genesis 11 when God divided all the languages and divided people by language. And so here you get a table of nations that are gathered in Israel. They're all Jews. And some of these, it says, visitors from Rome. Some of those are proselytes, it says, which are those who haven't gone the last step of, of being circumcised to become Jewish. So they said, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But meaning is the important part. Not the figuring out how, but what does it mean? And so what these others said is, well, it means they're drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, includes Matthias, uh, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So the people who are from here and the people who are dwelling here right now for the festival, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So here's the meaning, is what Peter's giving, the meaning of this. And, and it's amazing that he can do this on the fly like this. So it's, it's God giving him the interpretation of this in real time. Because he wouldn't have known any of this was going to happen in advance, so God has to show him. He shows him in the moment. And so he says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, your old men dream dreams, and even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to, be, to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." So Peter says, you know, I'm going to answer these first idiots first. You know, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Nobody's drunk. That's not what's going on here. And then he says, okay, so the second group, the people who are asking the honest question, here's what it means. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy of 
Joel, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesy, young men see visions, old men dream dreams, male and female servants prophesy as well. So it's poured out on all flesh. But what he's still not understanding is it doesn't mean just on all Jewish flesh. Nope, we've still got some work to do to get to the fullness of the expression of this prophetic vision that Joel had. But we see, again, they're in the right place because they're exactly where they were told to be. Remain in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. They were in the right place because they were where Jesus told them to be, and they were there in obedience to his word. So being in the right place at the right time often is just a matter of simple obedience. Sometimes it can be just this wonderful serendipitous moment, but other times it's because you put yourself in the right place by being obedient to what you were told to do and being there in faith.